This is a HeadGum Podcast. Hello, welcome to Enemies. How exciting. Another Jam Packs episode. A little twist today. Um, instead of an enemy or conflict, we're actually talking to one of the nicest people known as one of the nicest people. His reputation is that's a nice guy. Um, he famously would not talk shit about me when I really, I mean, <laughs> with me. He could be talking shit about me. Who fucking knows? That would be a twist to all of this. So stay tuned. That'll be really, really exciting. I'm in Chicago on a 12th floor of a hotel overlooking the lake, seeing people speedboat around. I was at the lake earlier today. SVU's on mute. My bed is filled with sand. I am naked and I can't wait to nap. So that is my play by play. Um, What's so thrilling is so we me and our guest are taking some calls and wildly, I met one of the callers in North Carolina while I was doing stand up and a previous caller, the one that was jealous of the Russian nanny. She was also at the show. So um, you'll see photos I'll post with two callers at the show together. So thrilling. I feel like I didn't even look at the photo, but my gray hair is popping. It might look greasy and it might be bad light. But I will post nonetheless because it's important. And yeah, that's that's that. Some enemies I have. So one, so me and my friend Carol, we did go to the lake, the beach, and we're having fun. We're in the water. And we took shop and put our stuff right by the lifeguard chair. We put two towels down. Yes, we took them from the hotel. I'm sure they get so fucking mad when people take their hotel pristine white towels to the sandy beach. So we're in the water, we're looking, and this man is walking in between our towels, which to me, it's like, why wouldn't you go around? Like, why are you walking in between the towels? It's like, so fucked up to me. You're clearly a maniac and do not care about anything around you. And then he comes back around and like sits on the lifeguard chair thing on one of the like wooden beams on the bottom with his feet like on my towel next to my bag with food in it and my phone and so we go up and we're like that's our stuff and he's like i don't care about your stuff and it's like yeah exactly we care about our stuff why are you near our stuff we're gonna sit on our towels get the fuck away from us he's like i'm just trying to sit in the shade those are my kids i'm like i don't care get away from us like you think we should be sitting here with your feet right next to us on our stuff walking in between towels you are one of the worst humans i've ever encountered like the fact that you procreated and found someone to marry you and have kids with like and then his mom was in the middle like underneath the lifeguard chair and i was like i'm sure she's embarrassed by your behavior like you really just do not care about anything or anyone around you but i'm saying like i don't care about your stuff and it's like yeah i care about myself get your fucking feet away from our stuff Anyways, another enemy I had, I was waiting at the airport to get into like the metal detector thing. I'm pre-check. I don't have to put my hands up. So I'm next in line. I'm first to go into the machine and a man finishes putting his stuff in the tray and turns around to also go into the machine. And he says to me, oh, go ahead. And I go, I know. Like, in what world would I not go? I'm first in line here. You just finished putting your stuff away. You're allowing me to go. Of course I'm going. Of course, like, I, I, I just don't understand. Yeah, get the fuck behind me. In what world would you be going before the person that's first in line into a machine? Everyone's lost their minds. I mean, 
Am I too nitpicky? Yes. But do men annoy me constantly? Yes. Like I was on the plane and I looked to see like the phone jack stuff, you know, like the charger I needed to charge my phone and a guy had the USB in and he goes, my USB is in, but you can plug in like with your regular plug. And it's like, I, I just said, I can see that. And he acted like I was rude and I was rude. Like maybe I should have been like, oh my God, thank you, sir. I'm so dumb. I couldn't understand how to put a plug in or what to do. Like it, it, it was just like, yeah, I fucking know. And then he acted taken aback. And same with this guy. You guys are acting like you have control. Like I need your permission to do the things that I, of course, I would be able to do. Of course, I know how to plug my phone in using the electricity port part like i get it i see it why are you giving me instructions on how to charge my phone can you not tell that i'm 400 dollars away from being platinum like is i mean diamond i am already platinum don't yeah but to say you heard it here i am almost diamond and will my personality change maybe i am seeing a boat cruising past and i would love to be on that boat but chicago is one of the most beautiful places i've ever been i just can't get enough of how gorgeous the city is we've met so many amazing people i've met so many enemies listeners i feel so special that you're listening and we will start the episode i feel like i bitched enough our guest today comedian head writer of Jesus and Miro he used to work at like John Oliver I think he was John you know one of the smart boys one of the smart John Stewart daily show like from that lineage of smart political comedy so he worked on one of those I'm pretty sure it's John Oliver he's so funny he's at the comedy cellar he's in New York staple originally from Boston he has a new special out called people pleaser like I said he's known as one of the nicest guys around so have so much fun listening to me and Josh Gondelman Hold on, let me see if my angry little dog wants to come in. I'll be right Busy. back. Busy. <laughs> oh my God, yes. A true He's angel. Busy. Yeah. She's so grumpy. She's so old. And she'll probably want to leave in like two minutes, but she <laughs> hates when anyone goes anywhere and closes the door on her. She gets very entitled. <laughs> She's a FOMO girl. She doesn't want to miss She's out. She's got major FOMO. Yeah. <laughs> She's so cute. I have to take a screenshot. Here. Busy pose for the camera, huh? (laughs) It was perfect. Okay. Amazing. Josh Gondelman. So excited I got you on the heels of your new special coming out. Thank you. Yeah, I'm really excited. It's um it's coming out on the June twenty first and I've it's my first one. It's the first one, people pleaser. Where did you shoot it? I shot it in New York as part of the Tribeca Film Festival last year. That's pretty classy. Yeah, it was really exciting. It was fun to that they asked and uh I did it with Comedy Dynamics. They shot like a few specials all during the festival. It's like a Tribeca Film Festival sponsored event and they're doing like a screening, which I think is just streaming it through their website. But it's like, ooh, my comedy is a Tribeca Film Fest film. <laughs> I'm like Robert De Niro. <laughs> That's exactly who was in my head. You get the Robert De Niro stamp of mm-hmm. approval. Did you yeah. meet him? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I actually, it was very funny because as as thrilled as I was to be like a part of the festival, I was like 
please don't fill this room with like film people. You know what I mean? I want comedy people, specifically people that know and like my comedy to be there uh, and not people that are like, "Mm, uh, this is, you know, the visuals are... uh, Oblique, and I'm just like, I just want to do stand up for stand up crowds. <laughs> Not only that, so I don't know if this connects, but so I went to a friend's pilot taping, and it's like it was mm-hmm. a scripted type show, you know, like a multi cam. Yeah. But you know, the crowd warmer upper guy is like needing volunteers and entertaining. And he brings this girl up who's acting like so shy and she doesn't want to be up there, but it's full volunteer. Like he would never force you up. So like, don't act shy if you're already being brought up. And then he asks what she did and she goes, I'm an actress. And it's like, ew. It just, come on. (laughs) That's the story. It's like, no one made you go up there. Now you're acting fake, shy and embarrassed. And you're an actor. Get out of my face. So, and it's like, oh, you know, if you need someone, like, put me in, coach. I'm ready to be in this pilot. It's gross, and that's how I feel like a movie. Like people are sitting there being like, "Make me." I've seen it all. Yeah, I just feel like I can't compete with movies. I'm just like one guy, <laughs> and I don't. You know, I, I, I'm like, oh, this isn't high art. I'm just gonna be like talking about whatever my dog and wedding toasts and stuff and I, I my visuals aren't stunning and I'm just some guy in a cardigan and sneakers are you sure wait did you wear new balances what brand are you wearing no I wore I thought about this a lot Lisa wait this is so I'm so glad you asked because I think all the time about conversations we've had about dressing for stand-up recordings that you and I have had and so I was like very intentional about how I dressed and so I got new Nike SB Dunks, these like limited edition. They're like suede kind of sky blue with uh, a bright orange sole outsole. And so that's what I wore as the as my shoe. And then I had um, brown corduroys. And then I got, but th- those I already had, just gap corduroys. But I went out and bought a new chambray shirt like a dark brown a blue chambray shirt from rag and bone and a todd snyder uh cardigan navy cardigan and i was like i want to look like myself but i want to look like the the like first date version of myself (laughs) i'm glad that you did that it's i do you feel like your shoe game has improved since you've been working on this like hip-hop style show yeah i (laughs) think hip-hop style (laughs) show Um, as, since I work on the freestyle rap late night show, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, no, but I feel like it's an arms race that I can't win. Like it's it's truly like if the the United States, like it's like working alongside the United States military, but I'm like the military of. Um, I don't know, like the the Cayman Islands or something. And I'm just like, oh, yeah, I need to keep up in case we have to fight. Um, but they're truly because they get like sent a lot of like really cool shoes and they have they make money <laughs> that I don't make. And so I, with Jesus and Mero, I am like, I, I feel like I splurge a little bit more often on stuff uh, because I'm like, well, I can't represent poorly. Like I can't just wear like completely cooked new balances to work and, and look like I'm like, Oh, sorry, I was late. I had to drop off my two toddlers. And they're like, actually you don't have kids. You just look like that. And I'm like, yeah, I know. Yeah. And, um, Mira, I mean, Jesus has like five kids. Mero, Mero has four kids. Jesus doesn't have Mero kids. Has Mero has four. Kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you can't even pull that excuse. No. But do you feel good when you get a compliment? Like, are you getting complimented on your shoes? I do. Yes. It always feels good. Um, 
And I, I try, you know, I don't do it for the compliments, but I do it because I feel like I'm a representative of the show. So on show days, like when we tape, I try to wear like a nice pair to the studio. Oh, wow. That's like high school. Yeah, you wear your nice outfit the day of the play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like game day. Yeah, game day. Did Mm -hmm. you play sports? I did. I was a, I played baseball, Little League baseball. And then I kept, I stuck with basketball a little longer and I played JV my sophomore year in high school and I was very bad. Well, yeah, you Um, said JV. We got that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Well, hey, I could have been a freshman. I wasn't. Um, I, yeah, I played sophomore year and then I stopped because I started doing more theater stuff, which I was better at. You were in the plays? I was in the plays. What were your roles? I was, um, Gosh, the big ones. I was Model the Tailor in uh, in Fiddler on the Roof. I was Roger in Greece, who is not in the movie, but has a song of his own in the play. Um, I was Uncle Henry in uh, Wizard of Oz. And then we did, I don't know if you know the show Once on This Island. Of course. Yeah, we did that at Niles North High School. We did. And I mean, it was, I don't know if it was all white. Uh, it's a show that essentially takes place on, in, Haiti, right? The island of Hispaniola. And we did an essentially all-white version of the show, which uh, I think that wouldn't fly now. We we weren't doing, like, problematic accents and makeup, but it was, like, the kind of decision where in 2003, maybe that flies, and in 2022, someone goes, ah, this isn't for you guys. I know. What is that? Like, what do you do, though? Because you don't want to only teach white things to these white yes. kids, but yes. you also don't want them all playing, like, all the wives and, you know, King and I. So yes. what is the in-between? I don't get what to do. Maybe just read th- the plays and not perform Yeah, teach him without being like, and now you interact him and do the voices. Go <laughs> wild. I know. I was in a kabuki play, but I loved it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and our leader was um, an ambassador from Japan. Like we had a Japanese that's, guy. Come so that's in like a cultural direct. exchange. Yeah, he exchanged with us, and then I, mm-hmm. I did have a moment where the teacher, the, my, our teacher, brought me aside and said he thinks you're not being grateful enough for this opportunity. So pep up. So wow. I had to be more peppy. I was like, I love doing this. I'm sorry, I'm not like. A full theater Visually grateful, yeah. But I'm actually in the hotel right now in my hometown of Skokie where my thespian banquet happened upstairs. Ooh, hey. There's only one premier hotel in this area. That's exciting. (laughs) It is exciting. Um, (laughs) So you are Boston. You are in this comedy world. You're you're Mm -hmm. doing things. But you are known... As a really nice guy. I mean, you're, you're specials, people pleaser. That is your vibe. How have mm-hmm. you avoided? I want to find out your enemies. I mean, even up top when you're like, I don't want to perform for the movie crowds. I was like, okay, we're coming in spicy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I famously tell a story about you that <laughs> I tried to talk shit about you, somebody with you on the train and you refused. And this Wait. is someone that nobody likes. So I was like... Was it so- you don't have to name names. Was it someone that I don't like and wasn't going to talk shit about? Or is it someone that I was like, wait, I like that guy. I have no idea. I'll say it. It was. Okay. Oh, okay. 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 So that's who I don't, it was. I have nothing against that person personally. <laughs> but that's when I was like, okay, this kid, I don't know what to do. Like, you can't even talk shit about this person. So who are the people that makes you? I mean, I'm asking you all these questions at once, but. Did you get into fights in Boston? Did the Boston energy just not go into your soul? Or do you just find it in other ways, like your iced coffee in the winter vibes? 
Yeah. I, okay. So there, there's a lot to unpack here, <laughs> and I'm gonna try to get started. <laughs> um, I am. I mean, I like love Boston. I feel like I didn't like run from it. I just, it's like there was no way for me to succeed and thrive there in comedy after a certain point. So I've been in New York for about 11 years, but I feel very Boston still. But I don't think that kind of like scrappy fighting energy. Well, because it's also it's like. I'm, I'm have a Jewish family, which is not like a fighting people necessarily, mm-hmm. and so my I feel like I'm like a mouthy Jew, but I'm like a mouthy little Jew, but it doesn't come out in like fighting ways a lot of the time. If that makes sense, like my I, I'm like you know I'll I'll like try to stand up for things that I believe in, but it doesn't usually come out with me being like I've got fucking beef with this guy, and I'm gonna we're gonna we're gonna scrap or whatever. Um, I mostly, the way I have enemies now is it's very quiet, but it's on behalf of my wife. I've been married for five years and I feel like there's people in my life that I don't like love that I'm like, you know, there are people just like in my orbit that I'm like, oh, I, this isn't my favorite person to see around. Or like, I'll see somebody like achieve something and be like this fucking guy. But when I'm really like, oh, this person is like, they're over to me. It's like, because they've wronged my wife. Okay, so it's not even that you complain about your people that are annoying to your wife. It's that you take on her grievances. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's like, those are the people that I like really have like a a, a grudge against. Like there are people, again, there are people that I am like, oh, like I'll roll my eyes and stuff. But it's not like a grudge grudge in the same way where like if someone says something mean about something my wife wrote, I'm like, oh, this person's fucking, they're over to me. So are you just like not a pressed guy? You're just able to be like that person's annoying and it does not bother me. Like you're zen. I do like I do like to get into a good complaint about an annoying person. Okay. That that I'll do. Like I'll do a little like oh, like, did you see this this person doing this this joke that they've done for 11 years and it's like never been good? Like that kind of stuff or like God, this this person always comes in and they're talking about um they're just like so self-aggrandizing and it's like, yeah, we all work in entertainment. Like we get it. <laughs> um, but there it's not like the kind of thing where I'm like, I hate that person and I wish ill upon them. In the same way that again, when someone is like says to my wife, like, um, maybe you should rethink that, I'm like, Oh, I hope a house falls on you, you witch. <laughs> well, she's also Maris is a um a woman who talks on the internet. So she must yeah, have yeah, so yeah, yeah. many enemies. Yeah. How she, do I you mean, fight people online or that's a step you don't, you're not. I try into? not to. I almost did this week because someone I've never met or heard of before sent me a DM and was like, Hey, um, you've been retweeting the trailer for your standup special too much. And you know, you seem nice and funny, but it's too much. And I'm going to, I have to unfollow you. Thanks, thanks for the laughs, but I'm out. And uh, I like wrote a kind of a sincere explanation where I'm like, yeah, man, it's been a lot, but it's been two days, and this is a thing I've been working towards for years. So like, that's fine if you don't like it. It it doesn't matter to me what you think. Um, but then instead, I just wrote, "You're welcome for the laughs. For more laughs, check out the trailer to my stand-up special, which comes out next week." And that felt a lot better. No, that was a nice <laughs> little troll. But also, fuck you. You've gotten free jokes for years. Yeah. It's, so you can't I, anybody, deal with a little promotion? 
even if he was like, this is too much, I'm not like ride or die for this guy that I followed one night because of one tweet that I liked. That's fine. Whatever, however you feel about that. But you don't have to tell me that we're going our separate ways. This is the first I'm hearing of you. (laughs) You didn't exist to me before this moment. And, And so like, you don't have to be like, I'm out. And it's like, man, this isn't Shark Tank. I'm not pitching me to you. Yeah, it's like people. Yeah, I hate when people write. I'm so disappointed. Do better. I hope you do better. The next time. And it's like, who the fuck are you? Your disappointment? Excuse me? Whenever somebody's like, you're better than this, I'm like, you don't know me very well. I'm not better than this. I'm this. This is what I'm like. It's also embarrassing. I fought with people on the internet today. People that just hate the drag queens reading books out of nowhere. Like, Oh, that stinks. I hate when people get like I that. I hate it. And I just got warped because I was like, I don't know. Why don't you protest the Catholic Church? Like, to me, it's just such lunacy. I don't know. Yeah. Right. And there, like, oh. someone was just like, how long? This Why was this even a thing? How long has this been a thing? Why is it a thing? I'm like, this has actually been a thing for years. You yeah. just only started getting mad because the media told you to and then that then of course i had a lot of uh messages (laughs) a lot of notifications but i got involved but it was just like they caught me in the right moment where i was avoiding doing real work and i was just like you know what fuck you priest yeah 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 i'll have that like too where it's like i'll wake up early and i'll just be like well it's the morning time for me to like like I have half an hour to kill I might as well squander it feeling bad yelling at somebody that I'll never think about again I know sometimes I'll be out with friends people are like what are you doing I'm like I, I, this is the day that I chose to fight so that's yep. that's what's happening I'm pretty good I've gotten much better uh, at like detaching from that kind of stuff but occasionally people will like will come at me online for stuff that is so innocuous and I will just be like no, like, like on principle, just be like, this will not stand. And it'll be about the stupidest thing. Like, uh, like a year and a half ago, maybe I tweeted something like, uh, Rowan Atkinson had, had said, had like given his, you know, Mr. Bean had talked about like, you know, comedy and cancel culture. And I was like, we're, we're taking advice on cancel culture from a guy whose like edgiest bit was like putting a turkey on his head. And all these British people were so mad. They were like, actually, he was a satirical comedian before he was Mr. Bean. Haven't you seen Black Adder? And I'm like, no, I'm sorry. We have other comedians in my country that I like and care about. And people were so mad at me for like two days. Like they were calling me the C word and not in the British way, like in the American way. Well, you, you even you, though they you, were British, you won't even say it. I'll say it. They were calling me a cunt. <laughs> <laughs> Do you ever get annoyed or that people are like patronizing you or something when they're like, oh, you're such a nice guy or not? Or does that feel good or does that get annoying? Do you have a silent I, rage with it? I feel like mostly people get me right in a way that's how, like, that I feel very fortunate. Like, I'm a pretty gentle dude, and I think mostly people kind of see what I'm like in like if not a 360 view close to that like I think people are like oh you're nice so like a turning point with this was like I mean I guess this was like 2010 I was doing um 
the Laughing Skull Festival in Atlanta, and Andy Sanford, who I'd known before that, was like introducing me to some other comics around in in Atlanta, and he was like, "This is Josh. Uh, he's like, he's like the the sweetest dude." And then you could see somebody kind of give a look, and he's like, "And funny." <laughs> and so I feel like as long I usually get that because I feel like sometimes like in comedy, like oh this this is just the nicest guy is like slang for like. Uh, I wouldn't watch this guy do an hour of comedy on pain of death. <laughs> like, you would have to strap me to a chair and clockwork orange me into watching their set. Yeah, so so as long as the qualification is there, you're down with it. Yeah, I feel like, because it's not, I don't, I'm not like, oh, I wish people thought I was, like, rough and tumble, because I'm, like, not. But as long as people aren't like, oh, he's just nice, and that's the only quality that we see in this person. I think, like, gets the job done as like something i take a lot of like kind of um uh fucked up new england pride in like that's the boston in me is like a hard day's labor <laughs> like that kind of shit wait and you know you are like the head writer correct yes yeah 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 so um you have to kind of be an authority yes a boss type yeah. figure um yep. how are there moments where you have to be stern and it feels unnatural or would you shift a little in a work environment or you don't really have to go there I mean, our our staff is so wonderful that it's rarely like stern, but it is. There are sometimes where I'm like, oh, I have to kind of assert how I feel about this creatively, and I am a pretty like collaborative and deferential person, but I uh, by nature. But I do feel like, oh, uh, there's a way. Like I, I because I think a, a part of being like a good boss and leader is like hearing other people, making them feel listened to, making them feel that they you know that you're taking their input into consideration and and incorporating it while still being like okay and let's i i have this you know i have to like kind of guide the ship at times even you know when there's a direction that i don't necessarily agree with and i try to like give that feedback gently and and constructively and i feel like that's something i'm like learning to do better and better as i go did you ever work with kids Oh yeah, yeah. You were yeah, a summer yeah. camp w- guy, right? I taught I taught preschool full time for my, the first four years after college before I moved to New York. Wow, the yeah. kids loved you. Yeah, it was it was great. I was really good at my, the my boss loved me. It was because there's so few men in early childhood education that like I've never even heard of a workplace where like I mean I guess all workplaces you'll you'll understand in a minute but like sexism worked in my favor so perfectly where because you know like there's some workplaces where they're like this is a boys club no women allowed but i was like i came in it's like the exact opposite experience that women have in offices of all men where my boss was just like you are a little snowflake and you you we're just so happy to have you <laughs> Yeah, one time I was in an elevator and these two women were talking about an event they were planning and one of them was like, yeah, and we'll invite some men, you know, so it doesn't seem like an all girls thing and we'll include people. And I go, there are no men having this conversation. I go, don't invite them. In my head, I go, fuck (laughs) them. Have your fucking girls event because no guys are in an elevator going, oh, we got to include some girls so it doesn't look, you know, I was like, there's So the optics aren't bad on this golf trip. (laughs) Yeah, like, I was like, girls, just continue on your lives. Um, Yeah. And what do you do when people step to you? Recently online, I did see a fun meme or like, 
uh, tweet that was someone was working in customer service and someone was being a bitch to the manager and the manager was like, I don't know if that attitude works somewhere. It's not going to work here. Oh, so maybe great. go somewhere where that's going to work or like, that's does really this fun. work for you? And I want to use that in my life. I want to be able that's to say really to someone, good. like, that's not going to work here. Yeah, this isn't this isn't how we do business here. <laughs> no, um, but sometimes I am a bit like I actually did call down to the front desk and I was kind of bitchy. Uh, oh, no, what about it? Well, there was construction on the floor and I should have mm. been like, hey, so what's the construction? Is it all day? I'm recording some stuff, you know, like, but instead I go, am I going to be paying full price while listening to this construction? <laughs> That's that's a real good sass though. But I feel humiliated because it's like they're just, you know they're just working and I I didn't even say hello so I f- I feel bad but really coming in hot I I am like with stuff like that customer service stuff I'm like hey not to make this a big deal but <laughs> I like come in so gentle on that but part of it is because I'm so ineffective when I come in hard yeah when, like I, and I'm getting better at being like a little firmer like i got a i rented a car and and this i feel like car rental is like you're just signing up for something to go wrong like it's never a smooth experience there's like the there's a seinfeld episode which i like hadn't even thought about that this is just like a thing that has happened for decades but there's the seinfeld episode where he shows up to get the rental car and they they just don't have it and he's like but i had a reservation and they're like yeah and it's not here. Well, no, the employee <laughs> then goes, um, I know how reservations work. And Jerry yep. goes, not really. Um, <laughs> yeah. Not really. Uh, and that happened to me. That happened to me this summer. And I wrote like kind of a, a prickly email or la- about a year ago. And I wrote a prickly email. And then I went back to the same place two weeks ago. And they gave me a car with no gas in it. And I took a picture and they sent me. I almost never like when you get even when service is bad, if it doesn't like practically you know if unless it costs me a lot of money to fix or like um it like really ruins an experience if they're like send me that email that's like rank our customer service i just ignore it but i got one that was like how was your experience here and i sent like i was like hey this was so great you like got me the car that i wanted it was so fast really appreciate it but um it had no gas in it so like i will not be returning it with a full tank per our agreement and that's just how it's going to be and uh i don't expect to be charged for i don't expect the surcharge to fill the tank and they were just like yep that's fine just give it with however much gas that you want and i was like i'm invincible yeah i got scammed um at a hotel last week well it's this week but friday so i did Mm -hmm. get scammed in a hotel and Mm -hmm. Before I spoke to the manager, I said, I would like to say all of your staff has been lovely helping me all day. Yes. Because I don't ever want it to come down on the person whose fault it isn't. And I feel like that's who gets squeezed the most, right? Like when when my flight gets canceled and they're like, actually, uh, we're not going to give you a voucher, voucher and it costs $200 to stay overnight. I'm like, look, I know you don't set this policy and I don't, I'm not mad at you. You didn't make this thunderstorm, but like... This is not like an acceptable way for this to go. And like, let's, what are my options here? Like, how do we make this right? Because like, you charging me for someone else's fuck up doesn't seem how this should work. I don't know if this works other places. Did you get the overnight? Did they pay for your hotel? I'm just, I, I like don't remember that, but that's just like one specifically, but like that kind of thing, you know, where it's like the flight voucher or whatever. I feel like I'm like, it takes a lot for me to be like, 
I'm. Uh, How high status are you in your flight? Very low. I because I'm I'm in writers' rooms all the time, so like I haven't. I'm not on the road enough to accrue, which me- makes me less loyal to one airline, which means I don't accrue status. Yeah, because I don't have these problems. They're so nice to me. The moment they scan my shit, it smiles all the way. Sometimes they'll even come up to me if I'm in a shitty seat and be like, "Just so you know, we know who you are, and thank you so much for your loyalty." Wow. Oh, that's amazing. They go above and beyond. Yeah, my that's luggage is like- always too heavy. That's what it's like for me at the Dunkin' Donuts in my neighborhood. They love you. They know you. They love and this me. Is they your know me. New York me. neighborhood or your Boston neighborhood? My New York neighborhood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They show me pictures of their kids. They upsize my coffee to a large. Throw in extra little bagel guys. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I get preferential treatment at the Dunks. Dunkin' Donuts is so like I love it. The egg and cheese croissant is my jam, but like they straight up rip off Starbucks. Like it is funny. Like whatever uh, Starbucks yeah. is doing, they're like, listen, we have egg cups now too. Oh yeah. Egg cups. You like egg cups? We have fucking eggs. You think we can't make fucking eggs over here? We're a Dunkin' we're a breakfast store. That's what we do. We just didn't want to before. We didn't know you wanted them. Yeah, exactly. Now we're doing it. And like the little bagel bites. But I'm a Dunkin' girl. I really am. Same. And they, I'm like, I've been a regular at so many different Dunkins in the city, not to brag, but based on like where I've worked and where I've lived. So like I've lived in this apartment for five years and I'm like very entrenched at the local Dunkin. But my, maybe my greatest New York City achievement was I used to work at this CBS building, um, all the way to the west side of Manhattan. So there was no... It, I'd have to get off at Columbus Circle and walk like half a mile due west to get to the river, essentially. And and right at Columbus Circle, there's a Duncan, which must be like incredibly high volume. It's like right in, the, in Midtown, essentially. And they would see me come in every morning and they would have my order ready by the time I got to the front of the line. That's the dream. I felt so... Pow- and I would always... You know, I would tip and like be friendly, but like I felt so... I, I was like... New York City. This is, I'm a fucking carry, baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you just want to feel seen and belong. I mean, humans mm-hmm. are just kind of simple. And even if it's um, because you tip in are nice, I, I still like those perks or that attention. Oh, yeah, I yeah, yeah. I, I've, I love to be a regular. It's like my favorite experience. And so like your flight experience makes me so jealous because it's like getting to be a regular all over the country. Oh yeah, my way out though. Be, like well, I don't know if this was a mistake or not, but a woman just said I hit a million miles. Whoa. And that wouldn't be out of the realm of possibilities. No. But I spend mine so I don't get to see how much I've really like flown. Got it, got and it. And I was like, "Really?" And so that was exciting, but then the info, whatever. Um I that's why I love the comedy cellar. Are you still going to the cellar? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's I, I, I love that feeling of being a regular there. They really make you yes. feel special. This the staff there, like people talk about the comics who are great and the audiences which are great, but the staff there is so kind and helpful to comics. I remember the first spot I ever did there, like after I auditioned. So I like technically had performed there, but I had a five minute audition spot. And when I came in the next week to do my first paid set, they were like, Oh, you must be Josh. And I was like, <laughs> like I, I would. So, cause I feel like even in the city, I, I, I'd been in New York, I guess five years at that point, And like places that other places that I've done sets 
did not I would I felt in the way when it, you know when I arrived and they never make you feel like in the way as as a comedian and and they're like so yeah kind and thoughtful and helpful yeah and my favorite part is vicious to customers nice <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 <laughs> <laughs> yep I feel like. Any place where the staff takes the comedian side is like a place I enjoy being. Yeah, I mean, seeing someone cry on their birthday trying to get in drunk and Liz going, I don't care. Um, I really don't care. You're not coming in no matter how much you cry or how many people's birthdays it is. And I enjoy that. And them coming, like, you know, someone coming over and going like, hey, can you, there's just no talking during the show. I'm like, I was just laughing. They go, you weren't. We know what laughing sounds like. <laughs> Whereas, like, you know, there, you play rooms all the time, or I do still, where all over the place, where someone is just like yelling and, you know, yelling towards a comedian. And they just do, they just, they're like, well, they're a paying customer. And it's like, yeah, but they're ruining the show for the other paying customers. Yes. I had to yell at a row of people at a movies recently because to m- that's what I think about. Like, if I'm really distracted, I hate when people are talking and drunk and screaming and I don't have full control yeah. how I want. Yep. Um, it's frustrating. I have auditory thing. Like I am, I get distracted and I don't like mm-hmm. it. But on top of it, I think about everyone else who paid to see the show. They didn't pay yes. to hear your commentary. And I think about those people too. And I, you know, flurry into a rage. I bet, I bet that happens to you because, and, and, and I mean this as with like great admiration, your comedy feels so natural that it that like you're so funny and but your delivery is so naturalistic that I bet people are like she's just talking I'm just talking whereas like there are some people like I feel like going on a show going up on a show with you I feel so sweaty because I feel like I'm just like and I'm gonna hit my marks and here are the things I came to say and like you're also you work with great precision but I think it's so like beautifully crafted and hidden from the audience that you're like performing something that is so carefully considered and they're just like fuck that's the funniest person I've ever seen and she just thought of all this thank you that was really kind I did enjoy hearing that so thank you Thank you for taking the compliment. Well, yeah, you saw I had to focus. Well, because one time my therapist was saying something nice about me. And then she goes, look at your body language. She goes, you're contorted. And and she's like, so I've had to focus on that. But, um, you know, that's why we're all in therapy. Um, thank you for saying. Yeah, gotten, people- I've gotten too good at taking compliments. <laughs> That's a good thing. That's. A I'll good take thing. someone else's if it goes by me. No, I was just in Finland and someone complimented me, and I just said thank you. And she goes, "Oh, in Finland, after that, you you're supposed to be like, but this or like you put yourself down." And I go, "Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. not my therapist says no, thank you." So yeah, I'm gonna fucking <laughs> take it. Yeah, or but sometimes people get offended when it's the, like I remember one time in Jamestown, New York, I was like, "Hey, you're just distracting me. Can you just stop talking?" Talking. and yeah. it was full defensiveness and pissed off and I could do this and that and yelling and I was just like truly I asked you so kindly that you were just yeah. distracting me like it's not you're not in trouble I'm just like asking you for a favor like please I'm stop. Right. I'm not saying fuck you you're a bad person I'm just saying like look I'm at work and it, this is making my job difficult like no she ended up screaming leaving in a huff said she made more money than me and then her ex-husband was in the audience too and went no she doesn't and so it was like a wild a wild moment that's really funny i kind of feel like it would be a great bit even if it wasn't her real ex-husband for someone to be (laughs) like we used to be married and no she doesn't 
<laughs> yeah, but that's like what's cool about small town living. Like if you mm-hmm. the, you might know the people in the audience. And I went to a yeah. restaurant there and I was like, Do you know my friend? She's from here. And they of course knew it like knew of each other. I just did I was at, at the um Vermont Comedy Club in Burlington, which is wonderful. Bring me back, Vermont. I love it there. It's so fun, so great, lovely town, and it was like a perfect time of year to be there. And they, um, I, I did Friday night shows, and then the next morning I was like at a bakery, you know, getting an egg sandwich a couple blocks away, and there were like groups of people that had been at the shows just because it's like, yep, this is the street where people go to eat breakfast in Burlington. I know, but I had an embarrassing one in Pittsburgh where I was like buying Cheetos and Twizzlers or something at the hotel Mm -hmm. store. You know, Mm -hmm. it's not a real store. It's just a little cupboard. And they were like, you're the comedian from last night. And I was like, this is humiliating. (laughs) I I don't want you to think I'm like eating snacks in this Holiday Inn, but I am. Mm -hmm. And I I didn't like it. That's that's entertainment. (laughs) That's showbiz, baby. Yeah, I I do have fantasies, though, when I'm out and about to like protect an airline worker like I definitely like, when people are screaming at someone for no reason, yeah. I, I really want to be a protector by chance happens sometimes. It hasn't happened recently, but I'm always like on the lookout, listening, waiting to intervene. Just be like, hey. She's trying her best. (laughs) Yeah, I want to shame them. I just want to be like, why the fuck are you yelling at her? She's at her job. You don't get to yell at her. Yep. I I am at my worst at airports. And it doesn't get, like, yelling at people. I do remember one of the worst moments, an emotional low, I would have, like, run to a flight. It was, like, one of those things where your connecting flight is, like, 40 minutes apart. And you have to run to get there. And my first flight was, like, 10 minutes late. And I ran. And I was, like, I have to pee so bad. And and I just, like, I just want to leave my bag here and run and pee and come back. And I was, like, hey, I know you're not supposed to do this. But, like, can you, can I leave my bag here while I pee? And she's, like, you know, you're really not allowed to. And I go, well, good, enjoy living in fear. (laughs) That's what I said to just (laughs) some lady at the airport. (laughs) And I was, like, I was, like, that was, that was a low for me, certainly. Yeah, but it was a loose lady, right? It wasn't an employee. Not an employee. No, no, no. Yeah, a- another passenger. Yeah, a loose lady. Who cares? Yeah. And I wasn't like loud. I was just like a little venomous. <laughs> you know, I wasn't like, all right. <laughs> I was just like, well, enjoy living in fear. And then I like grabbed my bag and like waddled to the, the bathroom. I usually, if I'm already that close to a flight time, I try to, bo- I board early and then pee on the flight. Pee on the flight. That's smart. Pro move. Yeah. The people that don't have status are always making fun of the people that are trying to get on the plane first. But I need that for my brain and sanity. I like knowing mm-hmm. my stuff has room. I yep. like feeling settled. And then there's always people that are trying to like demean us because we're desperate. Mm-hmm. They're like, we're all going to the same place. And it's like, go fuck yourself. I don't need this. I was like, no, nah, I mean, you're going to the back of the plane. <laughs> yeah. Well, there was, it reminds me of this time. Um, I was in a small town bar, like upstate New York on our way back from like to the city. And mm-hmm. my friend truly received some horrific news and was crying at the table. And like, we were just three people in sweat clothes eating, but the people yep. at the bar started talking shit about New York city. And it oh, was geez. because we were there, but it was like that city has not and kept looking back at us. And it's like, mm-hmm. why are you shitting on me? I don't get what you're doing yeah. here. My friend is crying. What have we done to you? Like, I don't yeah. get it. Yeah. Right. Why are you? Why is her grief 
like now the object of your ridicule so you can feel good on a Friday night or whatever or Sunday Yeah, afternoon. they were just so thrilled to shit on you. But people have like, do you feel this? People like shit on New York City because they're jealous. New York City yeah. is like a popular hot girl that doesn't think about anybody and everyone's just constantly like, well, she's actually like this. And it's like, okay, she doesn't like you As anyways. someone... As someone from Boston, I can say that that's empirically true about New York. Like, for sure. Because there's so much New York. Like, but the other, someone posted this meme. I don't know if this will, like, I don't know how deep you are in NBA stuff, but there is a really funny, this is how New York feels. I think New York generally is about other places, but like, the Celtics are often a good basketball team. And this year they're in, in the finals. And, um, excuse me, the Knicks are less often a good basketball team. And a friend of mine had posted something about the, like, like the Celtics, blah, blah, blah. I can't believe you're cheering for them. And someone posted that Mad Men meme of, um, what's his name saying to Don, like, we all feel sorry for you. And Don saying, I don't think about you at all. And it was like, Knicks fans, we feel bad for you. Celtics fans to Knicks fans, we don't think about you at all. And that's truly like, in every other respect, that's this is such a long way to say it, but that's New York to Boston. Where like, for I grew up a Red Sox fan, being like, "Fuck the Yankees," and the Yankees were just like winning championships, not considering the Red Sox. Yeah, it's just a superior city, and people want to like. Or if people are having like too much fun at a concert, and there's people like, "Ugh, look at them." It's like I don't know what that is about humanity. There must be yeah. some social, socio psychological like instinct to like put someone down i don't know what it is i don't know what it is yeah and it's also like i as someone who has lived in new york for like a pretty decent chunk of time i feel like it's one of those things where like when when someone you can like complain about your parents but like when someone else is like who's that weird old man you're like shut the fuck up that man raised me (laughs) you know and that's i have a little bit about that like oh it's too expensive and there's nothing there and it's like i don't know man i moved and have like i can only live in a couple places because of my career and like i like it here yeah and and you're crushing it. it like that's the thing it's like being able to crush it in New York is a great feeling, you know. I'm sure it's how it feels crushing it in London or Hong Kong, but definitely <laughs> not in fucking Omaha. Sorry. Um, <laughs> as someone who loves New York but is from another, you know, great big city yeah. and has traveled, do you remember our good friend Allison Leiby had a bodega tweet that rocked yes. the nation? It's bonkers to me. <laughs> so for and, those, let me fill the people in. Yes, So please. she just tweeted, oh my God, where can you go? Where do people not in New York? How can, where can you get like a cleaning supply, a, um, a Diet Coke, and sure, I'll take peanut M&Ms. That's all she said. Yep. And then wrote like, yep. I love bodegas. I get on Twitter, bodegas is tr- uh, trending. Is trending. CVS is trending and Diet Coke is trending. And her point was just like, <laughs> I love candy. I, you know, I love yeah. bodegas and I love a candy. And I like, I buy like little weird groceries. And, and here's the thing. This and the is, nation sorry, went nuts. I'm interrupting. No, people the na- went, I, I, I'm so an interrupter. Mad. But like the nation, Same. people were just like, have you ever heard of a Target? We have, wall- oh, it's just a corner store. Everyone thinks you're cool. And what I was thinking, I'm like, even the people that are from other places or New Yorkers that have moved to other places all agree bodegas are special. Why are you guys denying yeah. it? Right. It's and it's slightly different. Right. Like it is a place like there are even if a place exists in a city that is like a New York City bodega. Right. Like even if even if your neighborhood has one, there's one in New York every like three blocks, if not if not closer. So it's like everywhere in the city, there are like infinite places to go to get like 
like a hot meal and like any beverage you want and like little you know toilet paper and stuff and it's like that's not alex preen who you know writes politics um <laughs> i like that you slide. thought i would know <laughs> he's, You're like, he's great. you know him no he's great really good politics writer has a, a, a news uh newsletter that's really good but he was like in a lot of places legally you can't have a bodega like you can't have a 24-hour corner store that serves hot food it's like zoning restrictions prohibited so it's not like everybody in and this is not a new york supremacy thing it is just like a bodega is kind of a neat thing it is and it's special and it's the guys and i've been to corner stores i've been to i'm a well-traveled human like i get it but there is something so special that i i love about a bodega and then the gall of people saying what about a CVS? I was like, because I was living in the suburbs during the pandemic for this. Yep. And so yep. I was driving to and from Starbucks while mm-hmm. this was going on. And so I just think about that tweet all the time as I am in the suburbs driving to places. It's, it's wild. I mean, there are nights like, you know, it's... uh you, you, On the road where you're like, okay, I'll stop at the, the next time I see like a gas station with an open place where I can go in and like grab anything to eat and you're like oh it's it's been 70 miles between those <laughs> yeah i didn't even think yeah they're everywhere they're all the time and i even though they're a little sexually harassing too but they are mm-hmm. my protectors i feel protected mm-hmm. by my bodegas people yeah i got I, this is like i and again this goes back to feeling like irregular i went into to mine recently and i was like hey do you have hamburger rolls i was making turkey burgers for dinner i was like do you have hamburger rolls i just like don't i i forgot i didn't have any and i didn't want to go all the way to the grocery store and the guy just like went behind the counter got to the like the hot sandwich bar gave me four hamburger rolls it was like just take them big guy and i was like oh level up it's amazing yeah it's one of the reasons i wanted to move to new york because i was staying with my friends they lived on 7th and 7th but in brooklyn in park slope Mm -hmm. and they would leave like their keys for me at the bodega and it was a bug you know they would call down it was just like such a beautiful relationship and and again there are other centers of community in other places but it's like it's like such a it is such a specific new york texture and again even if one were to exist in other places which they more or less do it's not quite the same as like everyone has theirs everywhere in the city and it's a special relationship with this kind of store it's just like not how every place is now um i mentioned traveling and this this is off the this is off topic but did you mm-hmm. where did you go on your honeymoon we went to uh athens briefly and then santorini off the, uh, the the island off of Greece. Nice. It was great. Yeah. It was it great. It was so great. We we have become like sit still beach vacation people and I grew up as a like activities vacation person like that's what when my parents would take us places they'd be like we're driving up to New Hampshire the first day we put all our stuff down then we go to the like caves and we walk through the the glacial caves then the next day we go to the outlet mall then the day after that we go to a hike by a waterfall and like as an adult I've I've come to like we fly to a place we sit by some water we drink iced coffee and read books and we chill well, yeah, and when you're working hard, you want to chill. How did Maris yep. grow up vacation-wise? Did she have to teach you how to lay down, or you both had to teach she, each other? She got there before me, for sure, okay. in terms of, like, she she knew she was, like, a, um instructor, a relaxation instructor in that regard. She, like, knows how to chill in a way that I 
am not as good at and I'm like learning from her and appreciative of her. But yeah, she's the one that was like I I think 2015 maybe 20, 2016 we'd been dating for like a year maybe two and we just like went to Miami and sat by the pool for 3 days and like I read two books and was like oh, I get it. Yeah, this makes sense. <laughs> yeah, you guys are readers. Yeah. Do you have well, she's a reader. Yes. And I'm a poser. No, she's a professional reader writer. She's a professional reader. And you reader. are a heavy, yeah. you're a heavy reader. Two books in a yeah. weekend. That's... And which I do like three times a year. <laughs> and then it's all magazines. I know, but uh, magazines are smart. And what do you, what is your guys's um, conflict resolution style? Gosh, we're pretty good, I think. We also, we're aligned on a lot of stuff. And I think we, when we have conflict, I think we always come to each other from a place of, like, sincerity and not, like, dismissiveness, you know? It's a lot of, like, oh, hey, could you do this? It would really, like, mean a lot to me. And so it's, like, pretty um, healthy, I think. And, like, yeah, I'm, like, really lucky to be married to someone that I just, like love so much and get along with and and really enjoy her company in all you know like thoroughly i know that's what's tough as a single person it's like you know you see these relationships that work so well and the people really like each other and they still get along and all this stuff so then you can't settle but then you're looking for this thing that is hard to find and then it's kind of a living nightmare i feel really lucky too because i also am a person who like i feel like I w- I had an easy time dating people who are like cool people but not a great relationship match for you know what I mean so I like I would like look up and it would be like oh we dated for like a year and a half and like after 6 months we were like well this this isn't working <laughs> but it like we I, I was like no 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 we we're why would it not work we're both good people we like each other does it make you feel silly thinking about those now that you're in like such a settled one I feel, yeah, I mean, I feel a little bit like, oh, I understand what I had to learn to get to where I am now. You know, I had to, like, figure out how to identify, like, not just can I be a good partner to this other person, which sometimes I could and sometimes I couldn't, but, like, what do I want and need from a partner, too? And, like, that I'm not wrong for wanting or needing the things that I do. And uh, both of your sets of parents, um, do you look at them and go, wow, that's a great example? Or like, oh, thank God we figured that out before we got to each other. I really, um, my parents have like a very great relationship and I really, uh, I like love them. I like, I don't think my relationship is the same as theirs, but I do. They're like very well matched and and, like complimentary in, in sweet ways that like, I don't think as a kid I recognized as much as I do as an adult. But now that they don't have any kids, are they lounging on their vacations? They are, they're lounging a little bit more, but I mean, they haven't done, they've been very COVID cautious, but like they've been, they lounge more, they're both retired, so they lounge like their their day-to-day is lounging and then on vacation they're a little bit more adventurous. So like they'll my they'll go with my aunt and uncle to like New Orleans and they'll go like on a historical tour and then go see live music and they still are like very busy, but like on the day-to-day, you know, they'll they'll do a little exercising and like 
watch TV and read and, and do little house stuff. And they're not just like, every day is a day to greet the dawn with a sword or whatever. <laughs> well, yeah, because a lot of my friends, even when they try to do a lounge vacation, they're very much like, it's impossible with children. It's not a true vacation. Yeah, 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 yeah. It seems tough. And we are, we've we're no kids and we, our dog doesn't go anywhere. She's too high stress. She's a, just like an anxious little pug. So we'll find someone to stay with her and then we can go relax somewhere else. All right. Will you give some advice to some listeners? Yeah. So what should I, what, what should I give advice about? Well, we have a voice, we have voicemails. Oh, perfect. To. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't have to go off the cuff. <laughs> just like off the dome. Like, all right, I guess, um, like smell your milk before you pour it in the coffee. Um, no, but that that is good advice. It's so funny. Mm-hmm. I do oat milk, but if they don't have mm-hmm. it, they always go, we have almond and soy. And I go, oh, I'll do half and half. And then they act confused. Yeah. But I'm like, I just want the creamy flavor. That's the top right. of the key for I'm, me. I'm not a vegan. I just prefer this. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I don't know why I even thought to mention it. Okay. I'm going to play right. this voicemail. Lisa. I have an enemy situation for you between my tripod of friends. Okay. So I'm just going to use their names because whatever. Um, Christy is my best friend. Austin is our third friend. Um, I met her through Christy. They love to go to concerts together. We like to go out. It's chill. But recently, this was about six weeks ago, we all three went to a little shindig concert. And we told Austin beforehand, because sometimes she drinks a little too much, that we both had early engagement the next morning. So we were going to leave as soon as the concert was over, around 11 p.m., and we couldn't get crazy. Well, she had a couple trolleys and stuff like that, but she was definitely, you know, having fun, but she wasn't drunk by any means. And I live about 30 minutes from the venue, Christy lives just like 10 minutes and Austin lives like 15 minutes. We all parked at Christie's. Okay, so we're on the way back and Austin's like, I want to go out, I want to go out after the concert. We had told her, told her so many times, we cannot go out after this concert. I have work, Christy has another thing, like we just can't. We'll resume this on another weekend. She's like, fine. So we get back to Christie's. Christy lives with her significant other and his brother and an elderly dog. She cannot have company spend the night. Well, Austin was really mad about this. She really wanted to crash on Christy's couch. And you just can't do that when you share a home with your significant other and a family member and an elderly dog that has sleep regression. This is tough. So Christy had to tell her, no, I'm sorry. And she wasn't drunk by any means. Yes, she had been drinking, but she was fine. We are all in our 30s. You should be fine. If you're not, explain to us that you need an Uber or please drive her home. Something like that, we would have been there for her, but she just wanted to sleep on her couch so bad. Christy stood her ground. Ever since then, we have not heard from Austin until Austin finally confronted Christy after Christy kept hitting her up that she feels like Christy is a bad friend for not letting her sleep on the couch just because she had to wake up early the next day. It's just some bullshit. And look, I want your advice. I think you would give really good advice. We both kind of feel like shit. Christy really feels like shit because Austin will not respond to her at this point. So what do you even do? You guys are just enemies for life after being besties for so many years? I don't know. I know this was long. Um, we are both, me and Christy, are both looking forward to seeing you when you come to Raleigh soon. So maybe we can talk about it then if it does not get featured on the podcast. You can hit me up at 704-305-0664. follow you on the gram. You can find me there at Richie underscore Rich. I also have some brow products to give to you. So, 
help us out. I want our tripod back, but also, do I? I don't know. Bye, Lisa. Love you. Ooh, that's um, have okay. We have a lot to talk about. I don't think it's about the couch. Okay, I'm gonna start there. I feel like that is not a friendship ending transgression. I feel like there must be something under the fingernails of that, you know, something, there's some grit there that is being unexplored. And maybe the caller is unaware of this, or maybe it just didn't feel relevant. But I feel like this is not about one time you didn't let me sleep on your couch and now I don't answer your calls for six weeks. That's my opinion. I feel like they gotta, if if they're gonna stay friends, I think those two have to clear the air. Well, Sorry, yeah, that's, I just wanted uh, to jump in there. Who introduced who to who? That's what I'm... Cause. It, it was the caller is friends with Chrissy, right? Mm-hmm. They're besties. And then Austin? Is that yeah. I couldn't hear a little correctly. Um, the caller knows through her friend Chrissy. So, See, that's another thing. Like, Austin might... You were you might be right and that Austin is jealous of Chrissy and our caller's vo- like connection. Sure. And yep. wants Christy to herself and wants like, yep. oh, you both need to wake up early? No, like, I'm the main friend type vibe. Right. Or it could just be like, yeah, I, you, our friendship is different because you have these responsibilities even for even, even on, in addition to the other friendship, right? It could be both. It could be either. But like, it feels like there's something that's unexplored because that's not, uh, that's not the kind of thing that you end a friendship over to me. I, it just it, it doesn't make sense. There has to be something that's going unsaid. Yeah, and I like to say that we're all products of our upbringing. So if you were not mm-hmm. raised with conflict resolution in certain ways and you've never like focused on learning that stuff, you're mm-hmm. going to do these wild out things where it's like, I feel left out and this and that, but instead... Or maybe she thinks she drinks too much, but instead you're like putting it out on these friends. But mm-hmm. I also have to say, I mean, maybe I'm just using this word too much because it's on the internet and I'm a trend whore. But this girl could also be a narcissist <laughs> where it's like, if you deny me or you don't do exactly what I say when I say it, then you're not needed. You're not a value to me. Yep. Sure. Like her, just- the manipulation of it could be a part of it for her where it's like, I don't care what you said. I'm going to because you do have someone that's not respecting you, your wishes, yeah. your time, your anything like there's no respect in that friendship. Of what I hear. Yeah. And, and it, it also feels like, look, to give to give Austin, like, a good faith reading, you know, maybe she said she wasn't going to drink as much, got a little drunker than she thought she was going to get, and was like, I'm not in a condition to drive. You're you're not hearing me. I need something. And, like, maybe they didn't explicitly say, like, because she said, like, you know, it's the kind of situation where you should take an Uber or get a ride. And, like, maybe that wasn't being offered as freely as this person wanted, and they wanted to be taken care of a little bit when they felt like oh you're not gonna like come out and have fun with me well like i i'm in fun mode and i need somebody to like tend to me a little bit because i'm not ready to like spin it down because i'm i i i over i I went too hard early in the night like whatever it is it just feels like there's something there's like a a hurt that this person has that they're not expressing constructively right and i think like i think there is hope because I don't think that the transgression against this person was so brutal that they can't come back from it. You no, know what I mean? and I'm sorry. I, this whole coddle it's like we're we know what year it is. Call an Uber. Call, yes, an, call Uber. an Uber. I agree. Call no, an Uber. I agree with come you. Come on, girl. And I I think right. Or ask for ask for a ride home. Like it's 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 a solvable problem. You can she could have solved it herself, but it felt like she, she wanted something that she wasn't getting, and now she's mad that she didn't get it, and that's a bad feeling. But 
that's ultimately like you have to and she's probably someone that's waiting for you guys to approach even though you have though like that's the thing if you I mean, we've talked to a friendship expert on this uh, podcast and she does not believe in ghosting friends. And that's kind of like helped me. Like I have had to end some friendships and I've had Mm. to like push myself to have conversations because you can't just ghost. And if these people are reaching out already and willing to talk and apologize and they're feeling bad. I mean, our call, they, they feel bad that they did that. And so we have Austin. I don't think she gives a shit. I think she's a psycho who things didn't go her way. And she's just like, fine. If you're not going to do what I say, I'm out of this. But you I mean, think there's the more ball hurt. is fully the ball is fully in her court. I'll say that. I when I say like there's more going on, I don't mean that like she was wronged in an additional way. Oh, I, I know mean, what like, you mean. I mean, there's like an iceberg of feeling that we're seeing the tip of, and she's not. She's taking the friendship down like the Titanic because she's only showing this like the peak of the feeling, right? And so. I I think it's, it is, there's only so much you can do to show someone that you want to be in their life. And then you kind of have to like, let them come to you, I think. Because also I bet this isn't the first time because if like her partner and family member that they live with also is like, we can't handle her right now. This might not even be the first time. So it's like, she even said Christy finally put her foot down. So this is the first time that this chick has been checked and I don't think she knows how to deal with it. And she's taking it as full disrespect when it's like, no, you just don't always get your way. I think an email, I think an email or a text being like, if you got, don't, I wouldn't even explain too much. I would just write, I really hope this friendship doesn't end over this. I hope we can talk soon, miss you, and really hope we can get this resolved. Like, quick and like that, so then you know you've done everything you can. Totally. and, And I think like, if, or egg her if, house. <laughs> egg her house. And I, I think, though, if she doesn't respond to that, then it's like she's not ready to be a friend. And it's like it's not sometimes it's not your fault when someone doesn't want to be your friend. It's like they're not in a place to be a friend. No, she might also just like be a booze hound that wants to just be drunk at all times. Mm-hmm. And like you, when you're like, I'm not ready to be that person with you, they might not want to hear it. I hope we helped you. And this is coming after I see you in Raleigh, but I will see you in Raleigh. Um, well, or you know, we'll see what happens. Okay, um, let's do <laughs> one more. And Great. then... Hey, Lisa. I'm going through a bit of a rough patch with my enemy right now. <laughs> I recently was looking for jobs and I got this great interview and I was super excited by it. I got a call back that same day, a couple hours after, and they said, hey, we like your energy. We think you'd be great. Um, We'll send you details and we'll get back to you on confirmation. I was excited. Everyone was happy for me and I'm going through the whole process. I've sent out, yes, I'm willing to accept the position. We've set up a start date and everything. I'm working part-time right now, so I let my current boss know just to give her a time to figure out everything, get a new employee ready. And then I get an email saying, sorry, we're moving on. The position has rescinded, and now I'm just scrambling to fix my life together. I canceled two different job interviews after I had heard the um, information from the employer. So, yeah, that's my enemy right now. The individual who hired me then rescinded the job opportunity. And I get it, things happen, but 
doesn't know why or what happened, and I'm currently going to be working one day a week for a while, but back on the job search and everything. My question is, how can I deal with this setback? What's the best way to channel my frustration and anger into something more productive? And yeah, (laughs) thanks. I've enjoyed your podcast both of them and I think this is a really fun fun show. Thanks. Wishing you well. Bye-bye. Cutie. Oh my god. I actually Your colors are very sweet. They're so sweet. They're filled with compliments and love and problems, but what I've heard of this rescinding just recently it popped up on my internet like that like how do you deal with this I've never heard that this is a thing I'm sure it is have you heard of rescinding job offers like this before it I've never heard of it as like a trend of things like it it feels like wait people do that to me still like that's how they do it it's fucked up I mean the communism like Soviet energy of my family would be like mm-hmm. you never quit anything you never tell anyone nothing is real until it happens yeah yeah and that just comes from a lifetime of disappointment and tragedy so it's good mm-hmm. that you don't have that vibe so that's fun but <laughs> it were all how I was raised was like nothing is real until you're fucking there and that's maybe the lesson in this is like next time when you get a job don't give don't quit your other job i mean i don't even know you did everything right yeah yeah i wonder if that person hired her that didn't even have the capabilities of doing it or something right or like someone the budget got shifted around over their head it seems like or you know something like that like i can't imagine it being like one person being like oh i'm gonna get this lady you had a great interview you thought and then just giving you the offer but thinking about the question right of like channeling that like because it is a bad feeling and it's not like like you said lisa it's not like next time i'll do this differently it's like well you did all the things right so it's not like well my thing also the advice is going to be different if you are financially strapped and you have no savings and you need money now or okay i'll actually be okay for a little bit i'll have to penny pinch or i can't have thai food every friday but like i'm gonna i'm gonna make it so there that is too like that's two different sets of advice because I feel rude being like, get a craft, sell things on the internet, make necklaces, <laughs> right, 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 read right, right, a book, right. visit a friend if you're like, Eat I don't love. have that, you know? So mm-hmm. I don't want to come off as some like privileged idiot too. I I would say so, uh, some advice that like kind of in the professional realm is like shoot your shot. You know what I mean? And just be like, if there's a place that another place you wanted to uh, interview, go back to them and just be like, "Hey, you still interviewing?" You know what I mean? Like, I don't think you have to think about it as as and like feel like don't attach any embarrassment to this is what I would say because you didn't do anything wrong. So like, you should be operating with like full confidence of yourself as a person who is like skilled and like deserves attention and time and opportunity. And I would say like that is one way to channel it and into just being like okay, I'm going to like go for the things that I want and not feel bad that this one turned out weird and think like, oh, this is the kind of person I am, the kind of person that this thing happens to. It's like you got screwed, but you're not like a person who gets screwed. That doesn't define you. 
That's actually really good. Yeah, go back. But would she have to lie? Like, do you have to be like, sorry, I had some family stuff, but I'm available to interview now? Yeah, maybe lie. Who cares? Who cares? It's like, who cares? I yeah. feel like, don't say any lies that, like, will raise a lot of follow-up questions. I feel like, though, when I mean, this is not, you don't owe these people anything specific if you're just like, oh, yeah, like, I just... I'm. I left this other place. I. I was there one day and I walked out because it smelled like fish eggs or whatever. Like, just say whatever you have to say. Because who cares? Like that. I'm not. I just feel like a low stakes lie like that at to a job, especially. It's like you don't. Owe, you don't even work for them yet. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Like, go send some shit out. Go for your dream job. Shoot your shot. But also. Go to the beach, go to the park, yeah. pet some dogs, yes. play tennis. Like, I, you know, um, my nephew, one of my nephews, he is, him and his girlfriend are just chilling, straight chilling. And my brother-in-law was like, yeah, everyone keeps asking, what's he doing? What's he doing? Like, they're thinking he has an internship or a job or study or... And, you know, he thought about it. He's like, my son will never be able to have a summer of just chill. And we're able to provide that. So we're not making him do anything. He can work the rest of his life. And if you're in a position to also be able to, like, sit. Yep. That is a luxury. That's such good advice. Because, like, I don't think if you have the resource. Again, like you said before. Like, if you have the resources to, like, go, like, I'll need a job soon. But. I don't need to spend all day every day thinking about a job. If I can get up, go go have coffee with a friend who works nights for two hours and then like apply to a couple jobs in the afternoon, then like great. Like I think whatever and whatever way you can like enjoy your life and use this as an opportunity to like take time for yourself when it's financially possible and like seek out other good employment do what you have to do like to make the money you need to survive but like don't go emotionally on tilt in ways that you don't have to because of this yeah even if you're a old job that you're only working one day a week be like i fucked up my bad can i get a couple more on the schedule yeah. um also binge watch a show also maybe apply or like gig economy maybe you can babysit maybe you can like walk some dogs or do some one's errands or organize a closet. Like think about kind of your skills and if you can monetize any of them too in a relaxing way, but still. I I always feel so, I feel, and this is advice that I am giving myself essentially, but I always feel so weird and bad when I'm like, I got this job and then I have to tell everybody like, no, I didn't like in my life. And uh, I think like, detaching yourself from that is like so beneficial of being like i don't know i'm not my job it's it's okay that like this thing didn't pan out the way you wanted and like there will be other opportunities like it's 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 work and it doesn't even though you need to do it for a living in our economic system it doesn't like add it doesn't it's not a value judgment on who you are whether you got this job or not absolutely yeah for me it's different like in our line of work there's so much disappointment i audition all the time but i'll Mm -hmm. just tell people when i have a call back or i'm excited for an audition and they're like did you get it and it's like of course not if i told you about the audition i'd tell you if i got it right yeah 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 um but i just like to celebrate the little wins because the big ones are like few and far between and who knows so like i just kind of celebrate the littlest of excitement same oh it takes nothing to get me to be like (laughs) 
to like come home and be like, Maris, we're getting a pizza tonight. <laughs> <laughs> what are your toppings? What are my toppings? I um I go they're they're at like the re- I I'm a sucker for like a fancy pizza and I'll just try anything that seems weird. But at the like regular pizzeria in my neighborhood, I go uh, broccoli and sausage. You what love you? the taste of broccoli, or you want vitamins? Both. I broccoli is my number one vegetable by a mile. Oh, okay. See, I hate the taste of broccoli, so to me, Fair. I'm like suspicious. Yeah. No. 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 I understand that. There are. I'm also a person that's like, I'm. I'm not like, okay, I'm not going to eat anything that's like junk food. I'm like, okay, I'll eat enough salad that I live. And then once I know that I have nutrients in me, then it's house money. <laughs> okay. But you get those nutrients in. I, tr- I do. I'm like not a person that's like, ew, vegetables. <laughs> okay. That's good. And Maris also likes broccoli on her pizza. She's not a big pizza eater. So I'll get pizza and I'll kind of like parcel out a couple slices over a few days and then she will usually get like a um like an eggplant rollatini or a parmesan because she's diabetic so like the crust from pizza is so carby that it fucks with her blood sugar i did know that i've read i've read her stuff online i've recently read her gone girl article oh it's so good she's such a fucking good writer it is yeah revisiting gone girl and that like i really liked what she was saying it became a cliche or like mm-hmm. a, a trope but it, it started somewhere and we need to celebrate it the way it deserves yeah. to and be it is like a good st- like it's a well-told story it's good we went on an early date I, this is an i wrote about this in my book but we went to gone girl on an early date and i'm like incredibly squeamish and there's like one very violent scene in the movie that is like I gotta sit, I gotta take a walk, I'm gonna sit outside. And uh, my phone died while I was out in the lobby, and my now wife was like, did he just, like, leave our date? (laughs) And then she came out to the lobby and found me and gave me a bottle of water. It was very sweet. But I'm just, like, a fucking So squeamish. So Was it the blood squirting? Yeah, it was the gurgling. There's a lot of gurgle. That really was very visceral for me. Oh my god! I can look at blood squirt, but when it was like, it felt like he was breathing through like a, a flapping tent flap. <laughs> That's how twisted I am. I didn't even think about that part. I've seen that movie like yeah. ten times. I was like, oh, that yeah. other. Oh yeah, I forgot he he gets murdered. <laughs> you you know the Ben Affleck story about that with David Fincher, right? Where he was like, you're he's in the airport and he buys the hat to wear it low so people don't notice him. And they're like, okay, you're at LaGuardia. It's a Yankees hat. And he's like, I'm not wearing a Yankees hat. And they have like a four days standoff. For the shooting of the film that he wouldn't wear For the shooting Yankees? of the film, production stopped <laughs> because he wouldn't wear the Yankees hat. What ended up happening? Settled on a Mets hat. Or no, maybe it was like FDNY or something. It was like some some other hat you could get in an airport, and like part of me, as like a part of me that is a, that works and produces television and, and works in the arts. There's a part of me that's like Ben Affleck. That's so unprofessional. There's people like you're burning the movie's budget. There's people who are relying on you to come to work every day, and you're jeopardizing that, right? Because this is a job to people, including you, but other people that don't have the financial stability. And then there's the other part of me that's like. Fuck yeah, Ben Affleck, don't wear that Yankees hat. David Fincher, stop being so precious about your stupid movie and let Ben Affleck hate the Yankees because it's in his blood. <laughs> that is amazing. And um, before I let you go, I just want to hear your biggest um, pet peeves or the qualities in a person that automatically make you like roll your eyes or like, that's not for oh, me. Oh, yeah. Like okay. as many or as few as you'd like to share. 
Okay, here's one right off the top. When someone asks me for a favor but phrases it like they're doing me a favor or like giving me an opportunity, that will it will like make my blood boil in a way that is disproportionate to the offense. Like, well, because they think you're dumb. They think they're about to trick you. That's what it is. That's what it is. An added insult. That's what it is. Because I think there are if when someone asks a favor that I'm like I'm not gonna do that. I'm just like hey. The, the chutzpah it took you to be like, hey, will you like, um, will you like drag my car a couple blocks like the battery died or whatever? I'm like, nah, I, I, I don't think I can do that, but like, good on, good on you for <laughs> shooting that shot. But when someone's like, hey, this is gonna be great for you. All you have to do is come to Long Island and, uh, my sister, blah, 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 and you just like, all you have to do is like, uh, pretend to be this guy at a party they're throwing and there's no money in it, but like you're going to meet all these cool people. And I'm just like, do you think I have one wild and precious life as the poet Mary Oliver would say, and you think I'm going to let you trick me into doing this thing that sucks. I get so mad. That's like such a, such a pet peeve. Um, I'm trying to think of what else that is like the the one that I always think about. Like, that, because since you are nice, I think people probably ask you for favors quite often. And and that's that's the the way that it happens that I don't like because I'm pretty good at like knowing what I'm willing to do. You're not a pushover and I think people might assume I, you are. And and that's that's what hurts my feelings. Like when you're saying to people, do you get mad when people say you're nice? I don't. But when people kind of like ask that even when they don't even if they're they would have done this to someone else i'm like this person thinks i'm soft and i'm not gonna fucking do their bullshit and it makes me so mad um and i and i like that's the kind of thing i i got asked to do like it was like a gig at a college or something and they were like well you'll get a really good tape out of it but we don't pay and like we're not gonna pay your travel and i was like i wrote like an angry email and was just like i could have just said like oh no thanks man but i wrote this email that was like what you're asking for is like is how people make their living and it's like i i'm i'm gonna talk to you like you're stupid because maybe you just don't know this but like what you're asking for is like fucked up and insulting and you shouldn't do this to people because like it you should be embarrassed that you asked for this essentially how did he respond i don't remember if he ever did i was like real but that's that's like a number one pet peeve i'm trying to think of other other big ones because i am pretty like easygoing in a lot of ways where I'll like someone will be like aren't you annoyed by that and I'll be like oh I guess yeah if I thought about it I should be annoyed um I hate I hate having a plan and then it getting I I hate making a plan that involves other people and then having something outside of my control change it I feel this is like this needs unpacking in therapy but like if I'm like, hey, we're going to go to this restaurant, and Maris is like, great. And then I, f- I fuck up, or or it's just like, oh, they're closed. Like, all of a sudden, they close for a private event, and we can't go. I will feel very guilty, and, and I get really stressed out by that. Like, if I if I make a plan for someone else, and then it doesn't come through, I, I feel, again, disproportionately stressed by that. Yeah, I um, get anxiety going to events and concerts and being late. Like, I need to be there mm-hmm. on time. And so I made yep. my friend leave so early, and then we got there so early, and then the person we were meeting was running very late. And so we just mm-hmm. had to stand outside for, like, probably over an hour. And I did feel... <laughs> 
I felt dumb, but my friend kept saying, yeah, but I'd rather this than be in the car with you while you're having full-blown anxiety mm-hmm. in traffic sure. getting to the Hollywood Bowl. So she was like, I'd rather stand outside here than you stressed in a car. But I felt very bad that. And if it's when it's me and Maris or like me and someone else, I will I'll show up like way ahead to the airport. And like if it's just me, I'm like, who cares? (laughs) It's like I'm much more cavalier in a way that is like annoying to other people but i think i think other people in my life would say that and this is this is very interesting because it comes up at home and it comes up at work a little bit and that like i'm a little too laissez-faire about stuff sometimes in terms of like oh how are we gonna get there and it's like i don't know i'll think about that tomorrow and then it's like my options are limited at this point (laughs) and i'm just like i don't know whatever happens happens and uh and that is not a good quality. Um, but now we're not talking about pet peeves. No, but when is... The, yeah, we're just talking about our worst qualities. Mm-hmm. But you mean like you won't book a car before hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like sometimes I'll take too long to like... I, I won't do it like right away. I'm. And it's not always procrastination. Sometimes it's just like I am busy and then I'm like, oh, I'll think about this on this day. And then by the time I... The day that I'm like, oh, let's, let's, let's buckle down and do this. It's... um. It's too late, <laughs> and I fucked myself. Um, I I do that. Um, wait, what are your what? I'll I'll more focus, and then I'll leave you alone. I promise. Um, what is your biggest pet peeve in terms of like other comedians at a other show comedians. or at work, like um, specifically in our biz? I feel like I I feel like people my my workplace is like really lovely um and, and it's i i get along so well like i really like it could be about a different people. job you know it doesn't have to yeah. be this one i'm trying to think of like a comedy one i i think it's like it's i think it's like when someone acts i don't know it's like an attitude that I'm trying to think of. Do you have one that you can start with? Even if you talked about it before on the show? No, I mean, anyone, I mean, this is, I know you believe in this too, but anyone that's like not yeah. nice to crew, PAs, servers, oh, yeah. bartenders. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. But that's universal. But on a set, right. um, when people play hierarchy or shit like that, that really like yep. um, bothers me a lot. I would say um, running the light by a lot, like disrespect, <laughs> like Yo. not like, fuck I want to finish this bit it might be two minutes whatever but if right. you're like you know you have the power but yeah so you're just gonna go 45 minutes and you've been asked not to and you're still gonna do 45 more yep. like and fuck up everyone I guess it not being considerate um I'm trying to think of the people I rapey like rapey disrespectful to women <laughs> I would call that more than a pet peeve, yeah. like one of my pet peeves is when someone rapes <laughs> Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think that the the inco- being inconsiderate is like a big one. Or like I think like resource hoarding feels bad. That's that's a pet peeve to me when somebody is like withholding something that that like there's no reason to be withholding of. You know what I mean? When somebody is like doing it to be high status or whatever, or because they don't want to be helpful because it it advantages them in somehow in some way. Like I think it's really like what we have often as, as like people in this industry together is like each other and like trust and friendship 
you know? And so when someone, not that everybody has to give everything to everyone else, but when someone is like, um, you know, like shitty to someone else on a show in a way, like it's just like people who think that it's a zero sum game. Like if I'm winning at comedy, you're losing is like a real pet peeve. Yeah, there was a thing once I got hired to do, and I tell everyone everything, and I wasn't supposed to really talk about it, but I was at this like secret table read, and are you still? Um, and I went to open the door, and this person that I was just hanging out with, that I was t- like, was there, and didn't tell me that they were gonna. I didn't do tell it. you like, oh, I'm also gonna be there. No, I think they got it. I think they heard that and then got involved, but like kept it from me. Didn't think I was gonna be at this like secret table Weird. read. And I could see the disappointment in their face when they saw me. And it was like, why wouldn't, why are you keeping this from me? That's so weird. And and I I even said it to the person. I went, uh, they started saying something. I go, it's fucked up. I'm like, whatever this is, (laughs) I'm like, this is bullshit. And there was like excuses. I go, whatever, dude, your trust is done. That's so weird. What a weird way to be. Yeah. And, And like, again, not everybody is like the same. Like there's stuff that I would do for people that like, that I'm friends with, that I wouldn't do for people that I'm acquaintances with, Ooh, that I wouldn't do for people that I'm strangers I with. I have one, and I might even do this sometimes, but like, sure. compl- um, when people start complaining about their great success. So, oh, yeah. I had a friend who's been killing it, and he started complaining about the lack of sleep and the long hours, and I had to be like, you sound like a, do- a D-bag. I'm like, you need to stop. I- I'm like, this is your dream, it's coming true, and like, you're not more relatable complaining about it. I I do that for sure sometimes. <laughs> like I will cuz I like to complain. I I really like a good complaint and I really have to like check myself and be like who am I complaining to? Am I literally complaining? Like I cuz I remember I have a specific instance of I was opening for someone like 12 years ago, 13 years ago, and he had just done a, a Comedy Central special and he said and he complained in kind of like a it was like a real humble braggy way and he was like, "Yeah, I filmed this special and there were real complaints. He was like, I filmed in in the other, it was me and another comic, and it was like closer to his hometown, and so it was a lot of his fans, and I felt like I didn't quite do as well as I'd wanted, and I, you know, I got like a bunch of applause breaks, but it wasn't quite what I uh, had hoped it would be, and I, I, you know, I wasn't like mad at him, but I was like, man, I know that this is real to you, and it like means a lot to your career, but like, I would murder someone to have those problems. I would commit felonies for this to be what I'm worried about. And not, again, now that I my career has blossomed since then, I definitely try not to do it in like a humble braggy way, but I'll be like, oh yeah, I really wish things were this way, but they're that way. And, and like, I have to be careful not to tell them to somebody that is like, you piece of shit. Like I, I um, I sold plasma to pay rent, and I'm like, yeah, you're right. No, Funny. I was complaining about my lack of spots in LA, and the person I was talking to was like, I do open mics, and I went, oh, got it. And then immediately yep. I was like, oh, you, you have to. I mean, everything's like growing from experiences. Or I have a friend who just recently became very successful and immediately started complaining about like the tax bracket. Oh, that one I. <laughs> that I and can't do. And it's like, do. come on, just like enjoy it. Maybe it's like we're not taught to enjoy these huge moments in our lives and like have to be dragging them down. Or if you're confident, you're a bad person. I don't know. I don't know what it is in people that wants to do that. Another pet peeve I just thought of, I have one person that I know is always like, did this cool thing. The money wasn't good. I did that, but the money wasn't good. And it's like, do you yeah. just do everything for money? These seem like cool right. things. It's great to do a cool thing. Yes, 
The money is the last thing I think about, honestly. Yeah. There are some things where you're like, oh, that doesn't pay. And they'll, and it's like weird. But I definitely am like, I do this because it's fun. And I, I, I like the creativity and I like the, the camaraderie. And so I definitely feel like the, this is, I think, um, one that that I kind of get, and I get a little complaining for sport again, but like when when people act like working in comedy, this is like comedy pet peeve for sure. When people act like working in comedy is like something they're forced to do, Amen. Or it's like it's like who put a gun to your head and made you tour the country? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was someone that used to write for the AV Club that was like, "The road is so hard," and this and that, and it's like you could gladly stop taking these tour dates. Like you can gladly yeah. stop. Thank you so much if it's such a pain for you. Yeah, and it's I know you got to do something, but there's like other jobs that are easier to get for sure. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, a dream life. You're special, people pleaser. Mm-hmm. Out. Out. It came out yesterday. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and it's across VOD. It's like for rent and purchase on, you know, YouTube and Apple TV, like all those, the ones that you go to and, and you rent things. And uh, it'll eventually be, it'll eventually just be for free for streaming. But it would be nice if you rented it now. And I'm asking people to, because this is the thing, we talked about this a little bit, but I wear the, um, I do show day shoes for Jesus and Marrow. So if you want to tag me and post your show day shoes, with the hashtag show day shoes, I would like to see if you're wearing fun sneakers when you watch the special. Someone accused me of like, you just want to see people's feet. And I'm like, that's not what shoes are. <laughs> <laughs> and what's your book? Tell everyone where to find you My- outside of the special too. My book is called Nice Try, Stories of Best Intentions and Mixed Results. It's essays. There's a little overlap with the special, but um, you can hear it out loud or read it in words. That's what Colin Quinn did. There's nothing. There's no shame. Yeah. A little uh, overlap. I think people like to see things a little differently. And this special also kind of came up like right as the pandemic was ending. And I was like, oh, here are some bits that I've like never done on TV before that I love and would love to put on this special and share with people. Like hopefully the people that have seen them before will enjoy seeing them in this way and that the people who haven't seen seen them before this is like a way to kind of catch up on stuff that i've been doing for a little while that like maybe they know about me but haven't because i haven't had a special they don't know my stand-up as well fuck yeah and this was a pleasure thank you likewise well, i, I so can't wait for your next uh, lay down adventure i mean vacation i hope <laughs> i hope you have a great vacation and work life and everyone watches thank the you special. thank you josh thank you lisa good talking to you bye <laughs> Did you guys love Josh Gondelman? What are your thoughts? Sound off in the comments. Send me some messages. Check the Instagram for photos of the callers. How exciting. Um, And so cool. Naming names. And I did get presents while I was in Raleigh. And I'm going to post that too. There's like information. Basically, Cece, the nanny. She, that's how she became the nanny truly like created a Bratz doll but like with my eyeshadow and hair clips and an outfit that I have worn like are you fucking kidding me with a joint in the hand I would say go and buy one immediately but she's six months booked on making these dolls she's crushing the game um so I'll book information should I have gotten up just to the side of the room yes can I no I don't have it in me so I apologize for that I want to give a shout out to the two pugs I saw getting walked down the street to the pug I saw at the airport 
I pug life. <laughs> I'm sure there's so I think it's like the live laugh love. I'm sure there's so much pug life merch all over the world. So I'm gonna just go nap in all this sand. All this sand. Who's gonna da, 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 da. like you? What is that? Oh, my humps. I was singing my humps. Did you get that? Thank you for listening. Call in with all of your issues. We're going to have like a jam-packed advice episode soon with some super special people. So XOXO forever. Thank you so much. Enemies is a HeadGum podcast. Trish Hadley is our executive producer, engineer, and editor. Katie Moose is our supervising producer from HeadGum. Me, Lisa Traeger, I am also a producer. Hello. Thank you so much, Carly Jean Andrews, for the cover art. You're incredible. Jack Krause, thank you for the theme music. I love it. Please follow me on Instagram at either at GlitterCheese or at Enemies Podcast. Tell us about your own enemies by emailing enemiesthepodcast at gmail.com or calling 323-677-1943. That was a HeadGum Podcast.